Praise the Lord for that. Well, today we're continuing our message series called Prayerful Living. And in this series, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. And we're seeing that it's an outline for how we should pray. It's also an outline for how we should live. The Lord's Prayer begins with worship, worshiping our Heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It then continues with submitting our lives to God's kingdom, submitting our lives to God's will, praying that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's what we talked about last week is how God's kingdom advances as we obey King Jesus and the authorities that he's placed in our life. Today our message is entitled, Receiving God's Provision. We're going to talk about how God wants to and can meet your daily needs as you put his kingdom first in your life. Part of the Lord's Prayer we're going to be looking at is in Matthew 6, 11, Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. So how often does God expect us to pray this prayer? At least every day, right? It's pretty obvious. Like, how often should I pray? Well, at least, at least every day. In fact, other parts of the Bible tells us to pray continuously, to pray at all times. But we need a time set aside for God, specifically a quiet time that we can ask for God's provision. That should be part of our daily quiet time as we read God's word, as we pray, as we listen to hear what God has to say to us. Now, if we don't ask, God's word tells us that we won't receive for that day. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. Uh, it has the outline written out with the verses and you can take some notes as well. You do not have because you do not ask God. I mean, it seems pretty simple, but yet sometimes people wonder, why isn't God meeting my needs? And he's not meeting your needs because you're not asking him on a daily basis to meet your needs. Now, when are we asking God to meet our needs? It's interesting, we're asking not for our needs for tomorrow, not for our needs for next month, but we're asking for our needs for this day. And of course, that's uh, another reason that I encourage people to have their quiet times in the morning. How, how does this prayer work? Prayed at 10 p.m. at night. A little late, isn't it? Okay. So I, I, it's okay if you feel led by the Lord to have your quiet time at 10 at night. That's okay. It's better than not having it at all, but it's, it's good to have it in the morning. Give me today my daily needs. God, go before me. Meet my needs for today, meet my family's needs for today, and uh, that's how God has for us. We're to ask for our daily bread. Now, what does this mean? Is it a loaf of bread that we eat? Well, it's talking about all of our needs, our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our emotional needs, uh, the things that we need to live our lives for Jesus. And one of the images that's used in Scripture that I think is helpful to explain this is commonly used, the Lord is our shepherd and we are his sheep. Well-known 23rd Psalm begins and says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. If we're following our shepherd, if the Lord is our shepherd, then he's going to take care of our needs. We're not going to be in want. The Lord provides for the sheep that are part of his flock. He's our shepherd. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And so as an illustration, the Lord gives food and drink to his sheep, those that are following him, those who are his. 
Now, does the shepherd provide for sheep who are not in his flock, for sheep who have wandered away? And the answer is no. He can't provide for the sheep that have wandered away from him, the sheep that are not obeying him and following closely. And yet, many who are not obeying Jesus, they wonder why their needs aren't met. You need to be in his flock. You need to be following closely behind him. So today, God wants to teach us how to receive his provision for our life on a daily basis, not only to meet your needs, but God wants you to have more than enough so that you can be generous, so that you can help others. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. To be rich here means to have more than enough. Enough to meet your own needs and enough to be generous in giving to advance the kingdom of God. So, Let's learn today how to receive God's provision. It's something he wants for each and every one of us. First of all, we need to recognize that God is our source. As creator, God created the whole universe. He created the earth in which we live. He owns everything as creator. The Bible speaks that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything there is. And so he is more than able, he's more than willing to meet every need that his children have. God is your source. You are not your source. Your job is not your source. God is your source. And since God is your source, you don't need to worry about your needs. Jesus taught in Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. And so Jesus here commanded us, don't worry about your needs in life. Don't worry about it. Worry is the opposite of faith. What is worry? Worry is actually doubting that God can or will meet your needs. I'm worried about paying my bills. I don't know if I'll have enough money. I'm not sure God can keep his word. Maybe, maybe he isn't able. Maybe he won't. Worrying is doubting that God can or will meet your needs. Worry actually makes it impossible to receive God's provision. For God only answers prayers that are prayed in faith. If we pray, God, give me today my daily bread if you can. God, today, give me my daily bread if you want to. God, give me my daily bread if I deserve it. God, I'm not sure I'm worried if you're going to give me today my daily bread. Many people do not receive the provision that God wants to give them because they doubt, because they worry about their needs. Jesus says, do not worry what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about taking care of your needs. Not only is God, is able, not only is God able to meet your needs, but God knows your needs. Jumping down to verse 32, we're just taking some selections from Matthew 6 today. It says, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. These things is talking about our physical needs, the things we need, our clothes, the things we need to eat, the things that we need to drink. And it tells us that unbelievers, pagans, they worry about these things. Their whole life is chasing after meeting their own needs. 
That's not how believers should be. We have a Father in Heaven, a Heavenly Father, and He knows exactly what you need. Not only does He know what His children need, He wants to meet those needs. He loves you. He wants to take care of you. But it doesn't happen automatically. We must ask God to meet our needs. Of course, we had the instruction from Jesus we already read in the Lord's Prayer that we ought to pray, give us today our daily bread. Matthew 7, verse 11, in the next chapter, Jesus taught, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who what? Who assume it? Who ask him? Who actively ask him for those good gifts? Jesus is here is saying that if earthly fathers who are, we are evil in Con- comparison to our Heavenly Father. Uh, if earthly fathers who are sinful, who are imperfect, if they know how to give good gifts to their children, then how much more will our perfect, omnipotent, omniscient Heavenly Father give good gifts to His children? The gifts that God has for us, they're all good. Some people want to pick and choose, but all of God's gifts are good. All of God's gifts are good. They are there to meet our needs, but we must ask. We must ask God for those good gifts. How often do we need to ask God? Well, at least every day. Give us today our daily bread. God wants you to receive his provision. We need to ask him. And secondly, we need to seek his kingdom first in our lives. Matthew 6.33, famous verse says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. These things are the things we're talking about, Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6. Clothes to wear, things to eat, things to drink, things that the unbelievers worry about. And here's where many believers go wrong. They ask God to meet their needs. Nothing happens, and they blame God. I'd encourage you to read the whole chapter uh, Matthew 6 this week, to get the whole context. But not only do we need to ask God to meet our needs, we need to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Matthew 6.33 is actually a conditional promise. We could restate it and say, if you seek His kingdom and His righteousness, then all these things will be given to you as well. And so we need to be seeking His kingdom and His righteousness in order for God to meet our needs. Unbelievers, they worry, they run after meeting their needs. That's their top priority in life. That is not to be the top priority of believers. That's not how believers receive God's provision. We are to make advancing God's kingdom our top priority in life. And when we seek his kingdom first, when we seek his righteousness, which is building our relationship with him, when that's a top priority in our life, when we obey King Jesus then we are going to receive the things we sought first. What is that? His kingdom, his righteousness. We're going to receive that in our own life. And alongside that, we're going to have our needs met, the things that we need, our physical needs. And so in the next point, we're going to see what it means to seek God's kingdom first. But let's think a little more carefully about why King Jesus provides for the people who follow him, his servants. First of all, he loves us. He cares about us, and he wants to take care of us. But that's not the only reason. 
King Jesus provides for his servants because he has plans for them. He has jobs for them to do. He has tasks for them to accomplish for his kingdom. In other words, Jesus wants to resource his followers to advance his kingdom, to advance his will in the world. Jesus will not provide for those who are simply living for themselves. Jesus isn't interested in advancing your agenda. Jesus isn't interested in advancing your kingdom. He's interested in advancing his own kingdom, the kingdom of God. And when we seek that first, then he resources us. And his desire is that the struggles of those who don't put him first will drive them to truly submit their lives to him as their Lord and King and so that he can meet their needs. And so the promise of meeting a person's need in Matthew 6.33 is only for those who put God's kingdom first in their lives. Now let's look practically a little more at how to put God's kingdom first in your life so that you can receive God's provision. Giving releases God's provision. Now here is how we need to begin to see things from God's perspective. From a worldly perspective, giving is the last thing that a person whose needs were not being met would do. A thinking would be, I, I don't have enough to meet my own needs, or I'm barely making it right now, so I surely can't give away what little I have. I've got to take care of myself first. And that is the worldly way to think about it. And they would think, perhaps, perhaps when I have my needs met, when I've taken care of all of my needs, and I have a little left over, then I can give that. And that type of thinking will completely block you from receiving God's provision for your life. Why? Because who are you putting first in that type of thinking? Yourself. I'm going to take care of myself first. And when I, my needs are taken care of, then what's left over, I will give to God. Does God like being at the bottom of the list? No. Is God going to bless you when you put him at the bottom of the list? Did the verse, Matthew 6.33, say, Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness last, and then I will have, I'll add all these things to you. No, I seek God's kingdom first. So when you put yourself rather than God's kingdom first, you're not fulfilling the condition of the promise in Matthew 6.33 to have God meet your needs. Giving releases God's provision. Generosity brings God's blessing. Apostle Paul quoted Jesus in Acts 20.35. Remember the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus taught that there is a blessing from God when we give, when we put God's kingdom first in our lives. Now, it is a blessing to receive from God, but Jesus said it's even a greater blessing to give to God. Giving and generosity is putting God's kingdom first in faith. It opens the door for God to meet your needs from his unlimited resources. And so what does the Bible teach about giving? How can we put God's kingdom first in our resources? God's word teaches that tithing puts God first in your finances. Malachi 3 verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be Food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing 
that you will not have room enough for it. The Bible teaches that a tithe is a tenth of your income that you give to God first before you pay your bills. You give God 10% of your income, you trust that as you put his kingdom first, he will be faithful to honor his promise and that he will meet your needs. Where is the tithe to be given? Well, in the Old Testament, the tithe was brought to the place of worship, to the spiritual leaders or the priests, which was uh, the place of worship was the temple and the priests ministered there. In the New Testament era in which we live, the tithe is to be given to the local church in which you worship. And that's how you put God's kingdom first with your finances. Now, it's interesting, Malachi 3, verse 10 it's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. Usually he says, you're not to test the Lord your God. But with the matter of giving, God says, test me in this. God challenges you to test him. Now, what is the promise? Again, Malachi 3 verse 10 is a conditional promise, is it not? If you bring the whole tithe into, your, into the storehouse, into the church today, I will throw open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you will not have room enough for it. In other words, I'm going to give you more than enough. I'm going to meet your needs, and you're going to have some left over beside. God says, test me and see if that's true or not. And so you test God by taking the first 10% of your next paycheck, giving it to the church, and seeing if God meets his promise, which I assure you he will do if you do it in faith. Now, a tithe is considered a first fruits offering. It's bringing a tenth of the income that you make from your job and giving it to God first before you spend your money on anything else. And God promises that if you put him first, he'll make the remaining 90%, if I've got my math right, more than enough to meet your needs. Now, the logical mind would say, how can that possibly be? That's what God's Word teaches. I'd like to watch a video that helps us better understand the principle called first fruits and how it applies to giving. So giving the tithe, giving the first 10% of your income to God first in faith is giving God your first fruits, putting God first, putting His kingdom first, and He will bless that. God's Word speaks of giving tithes and offerings. So let's talk about offerings for a minute. Offerings so seeds for a harvest. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And so an offering is an amount given to God above the tithe, above the first 10% of your income. The whole passage in 2 Corinthians is talking about giving, and this verse illustrates to us the principle that giving is like a farmer sowing seeds. A farmer sows seeds in faith that God is going to give a harvest. The seeds cost the farmer something. I mean, he's not just throwing them away. He's investing them. He's putting them in the ground. And he's expecting a harvest to come from the seeds that he planted. Now, does the farmer expect a harvest equal to the seed that he planted? That wouldn't make much sense, would it? You put seed, you put X number of seeds in and you get X number of seeds back after you work. doesn't make much sense. A farmer, a farmer expects a harvest that's greater than what he planted. Now Jesus says if this farmer sows a small amount of seeds, 
What kind of harvest is he going to get back? He's going to get back more than he planted, but it's going to be a small harvest. If a farmer sows a, a large number of seeds, his harvest is going to be much greater than if he sowed a small, uh, a small crop. And the same Jesus says, or this God's word here says, is true of giving. The more that we give to God, the more that he can and will bless us. He blesses us in, in response to how much we sow. Now, is God's blessing for a giver always exclusively financial? And I would say the answer is no. We've heard it from the audience, so... Uh, <clears throat> now, if he would have said yes, we would have had to correct him. But uh, the, that, is the, that is the right answer. Let's warn you, if you give the wrong answer, I will correct you. So <clears throat> be sure when you call out. Now, where was I? Okay. God will bless us as we sow seed. The blessing that comes to us is not always financial. God can bless us in many different ways. Finance is not the, the end-all and be-all of our lives. God can bless us in our relationships. God can bless us spiritually. God can bless us with spiritual gifts. God can bless us in closeness with Him. God can bless us in protection. There's all kinds of ways that God can uh, bless us. But yet we have God's promise that he's going to meet our needs as we put his kingdom first. So often the blessing does include blessing and meeting those needs, which usually is accomplished through finances. So God promises to bless us as we sow into his kingdom uh, with the finances that he's given to us. God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, the following verse after verse 6 we just read, Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if you truly believe that what you gave to God through tithes and offerings, he would bless over and above what you gave to him, that he would meet all your needs and give you more than enough, what attitude would you have when you gave? You'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you? You'd be cheerful. Hey, I'm gonna, this is a good deal. I'm going to sow this in. God's going to take care of me. I'm going to reap a harvest. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to have more than enough. You'd be happy. You'd be cheerful. You would be giving in faith. Now, if on the other hand, you simply gave because somebody told you to give, I really don't want to give. I don't believe that God's going to bless me. I believe I'm going to end up with less than I had before because I gave some away. I know how to do arithmetic. What kind of attitude would you have? Your attitude would be of one of fear. Your attitude would be one of worry, thinking that your needs weren't going to be met. And so God loves a cheerful giver, one who believes that when God's word promises something, God will be faithful to keep his promise. What God's word says is true. A cheerful giver is one who gives in faith and receives God's provision. Now, why do people not tithe? That's giving the first 10% of their income to the church. I believe the main reason is fear. We've already talked about it. The fear is that if I tithe to God, I won't have enough to meet my own needs. I have X amount of income. I have Y amount of bills each month. I barely am making it now. If I give to God... 10%, I can do the math, it's not, it doesn't add up. There's going to be a negative balance at the end of the month. 
And what is the promise, uh, what is the problem with that kind of thinking? That kind of thinking doesn't believe that God is capable of fulfilling his promise to bless you, that God is bound by your budget mathematics. God is perfectly capable of making the 90% you have after tithing go much further than the 100% ever could. God is perfectly capable. We've had numerous stories over the years, God keeping his promise. Uh, in this church, as people have started to tithe who never tithed before and really weren't too sure, but they tested God in this, and God met their needs in a special way and an ongoing way. In Malachi, God says, Test me in this. Try it out. If you're not tithing, I'd encourage you to begin giving the full 10% of your income to the church and see if God does not pour out blessing from heaven. I encourage people to take a 90-day tithing challenge. It's one of your action items at the bottom of your outline. Try it for 90 days. Give God the first 10% and see if he does not bless you. Every time you get a paycheck, take the first 10%. Give it to God first before you pay your bills and see how God works things out. Give it in faith. Give it cheerfully. Give it to meet the condition of God's promise in Malachi 3, verse 10. For those of you who are tithers, be open to God to speaking you to give an offering, an amount over and above the tithe from time to time as he lays it on your heart. Be obedient to what he tells you to do because you're sowing seed. And as you believe, as you trust God, as you sow that seed in faith, God will give you a harvest. And that harvest will be in greater dimension than the seed you sowed as you obey him, as you seek his kingdom first. And so giving releases God's provision. God wants you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed because when you're blessed, you're more effective in advancing God's kingdom. And his kingdom advances further and touches more people's lives. Giving releases God's provision. Now, if you're a parent, do what my parents did. When I was a wee little lad, my parents taught me about tithing. Back then, I can't even remember back then, but it's <laughs> kind of making this up. When I got my dime of allowance, Probably was pretty close. It might have been a nickel. No, I don't know how I did a tithe with a nickel, but uh, got my dime of allowance. I would put my penny in the offering. And just from little on, it's like 10% we give to God. 10% is the tithe. And as I earned more money, I gave, you know, the 10% increases proportionally. And I've continued that throughout my life for many, many years. And God has always blessed me. He's blessed my family. We're not rich, but we always have more than enough. We, our needs are met. And we have enough to be generous to help others. And he can do the same for you. God is your source. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to provide for your needs. And so ask him daily to meet your needs and put his kingdom first in your giving through tithes and offerings. Believe that his word is true. And as you do, you're going to receive his promise. His promise for your life. You're going to walk in his blessing. Now today, I'd like to give you an opportunity, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not one of the sheep of his flock, if he's not your shepherd, or if you're not sure that he is, here's how to submit your life to King Jesus. And again, this is simple, but it's profound. First of all, 
admit that you've sinned, that you haven't been putting God's kingdom first in your life, that you've been following your own agenda. That's what we all have done. That's what the essence of sin is, doing things my way. Admit that you've sinned. Secondly, believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. He took the punishment for your sin that you deserved, and he paid the price that you might be forgiven. Ask him to forgive you and commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. And that means obeying everything that he commands. That means putting his kingdom first. That means becoming a follower of Jesus Christ day in and day out. You don't become a believer simply because you believe in God. You don't become a follower of Jesus because your parents had you baptized. You don't become a person who has eternal life and goes to heaven because you're a good person and you're better than your neighbor. You become a believer by admitting that you've sinned, believing in Jesus Christ, and committing yourself to following Him as your Lord. So let's bow our heads right now. If you never prayed this prayer before, if you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, you may feel like you've wandered away from your commitment of putting Him first. I'd encourage you to pray along with me something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've been putting my agenda and my desire and my will first in my life. Please forgive me. I've done a lot of wrong things. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you that you are my source. I don't need to worry about anything in life. Forgive me for worrying, for doubting you. You know my needs, and today I ask you to meet those needs as I seek your kingdom first. I take a step of faith, God, and I commit myself to bringing you the first fruits of my finances, the tithe of my earnings. And I believe that as I do, you are going to bring to me a harvest of blessing. You are going to meet my needs. You're going to give me more than enough for my needs, enough to be generous to others as well. Teach me to give cheerfully. Teach me to give with a heart of thanksgiving, not grudgingly or full of fear and worry. And I pray, God, today for those who are struggling with their finances, God, for those who have struggled with this in the past and may be struggling today, God, that they would find freedom as they obey your word and put you first in all of their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.